Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I had a lot of people send me this story. This is a follow-up to one I did a while back. You'll recall there was a company that made a squeaky toy that was shaped a lot like a bottle of Jack Daniels. And the squeaky toy is named in such a way as to kind of poke fun at Jack Daniels or something. And so uh, there was litigation that ensued, and it made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court issued its opinion, and it was a unanimous one, in favor of Jack Daniels. So among other things, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be an unusual video in that I've actually got a visual aid and sound effects. So for those of you who listen or watch my show with your dogs, who's a good boy? (laughs) Supreme Court sides with Jack Daniels in trademark dispute with dog toy maker. Nina Totenberg wrote this for NPR, widely reported, however. In fact, I actually read the opinion also, and I've got some excerpts of that, but I want to summarize this. So the U.S. Supreme Court, in a unanimous decision yesterday, sided with Jack Daniels' Tennessee whiskey in its legal battle with VIP Products, the maker of that Bad Spaniels toy parody. So they call it Bad Spaniels, the old number two. See, there's a joke there, number two. Justice Kagan had a good time announcing the decision on Thursday as she read the opinion and held up the Bad Spaniel's chewy toy bottle, just as I did, which looks almost exactly like the whiskey bottle. Spectators laughed. At another point, making reference to a trademark case involved Aqua's hit song, Barbie Girl, she recited the line, I'm a blonde bimbo girl in a fantasy world. Those are lyrics from the song. Humor aside, though, the high court overturned a lower court's ruling, which had thrown out to Jack Daniels' challenge on grounds that it violated First Amendment protections of satire. So the question is, is this satire? And if so, is it protected against a claim of trademark infringement? The Bad Spaniels toy mimics the Jack Daniels bottle. So it does look a lot like it, same shape, roughly same size, but features a drawing of a spaniel And instead of the words on Jack's bottle, promising 40% alcohol by volume, Bad Spaniels promises 43% poo by volume, 100% smelly on your Tennessee carpet. The Supreme Court, however, was not amused. It said that a major reason that companies want to get trademark protection is to identify a product's source. So if you see the Nike swoosh and nothing else, that, of course, will let you know that product, at least if it's legal, was manufactured by Nike. Trademark benefits consumers and producers alike by marking a product in a way that enables customers to select the goods and services they want and those that they want to avoid. Moreover, registration of a trademark allows the owner to sue when others use the mark for their own purposes. In the lawsuit, the mark owner must show that there is a likelihood of confusion, meaning that consumers may confuse the infringing product with the real one. Or in this case, the buyers of the toy might think it was endorsed by Jack Daniels. So the question is, did Jack Daniels have anything to do with this? Did they license it? You know, or, 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 or what? So I know why dogs rip those things out. <laughs> Bottom line is the court said Jack Daniels is entitled to a trial to determine whether bad Spaniels really does confuse consumers. So just to be clear here, this case is not completely over. It's being sent back down for trial because the trial court threw the case out and said there's nothing to try here. 
So theoretically, after a trial, a court could say, you know something, it's not protected. But the court could also say, well, no, actually, this is appropriate. So the court is simply saying that there is an issue here that needs trial. So Justin Kagan points out it was one thing when a toy maker sued a band over the song Barbie Girl because the Barbie name was not a source identifier. So in other words, nobody thought that the band singing I'm Just a Barbie Girl, nobody thinks that that, oh, that that must be endorsed by Mattel. A consumer would no more think the song was produced by Mattel than would someone hearing Janis Joplin sing, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz, think that Joplin and Mercedes-Benz had entered into some sort of joint venture. But in this case, she said, the Bad Spaniels toy maker is selling its product by using someone else's trademark, which here is Jack Daniels, and it has a lot to do with, for instance, the shape of the bottle, what they call the trade dress, the various ways that this thing looks distinctive, and so on. The question is whether consumers will think Jack Daniels authorized the use, or as Jack Daniels put it in their brief, Jack Daniels appreciates a good joke as much as anyone, but Jack Daniels likes his customers even more and doesn't want them to be confused or associating his fine whiskey with dog poop. If it can prove that confusion, it likely will win at trial. But, number one, the parties could settle, and number two, it could be they don't prove that point at trial, but at least they get a shot. That's the key here. So, again, the case will be remembered as Jack Daniels winning but they've won the right to go to trial. A couple things I need to point out, and one of them is procedural. And that is that in this case, the maker of this filed the lawsuit. Jack Daniels did not. So what happened was this company started putting these out into the marketplace. Somebody pointed it out to Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels looked at it and said, hey, that looks a lot like our product. And it says bad spaniels instead of Jack Daniels. But it does look a lot like our product, and that could confuse people who might think that we've somehow endorsed this, or maybe we're making this. Who knows? Maybe suddenly we like dogs. I don't know. So that's a problem. So they sent a letter to the maker of this toy and and said, we want to stop making that toy because we think it violates our trademark. And instead of negotiating or talking with them that way, uh, the company that makes these sued Jack Daniels. And sued them and said, okay, we're gonna make a we're gonna get a court to straighten this out. Well, court straightened it out. And by the way, it went up to the Court of Appeals, I believe back down one time, and then back up again, and then to the Supreme Court, and now back down. Uh, that is an expensive trip to take, my friends. I've mentioned that before. It costs a lot of money to take your case to the US Supreme Court if you do it right. So now you're starting to wonder whether they should have perhaps not pulled the trigger so quickly on that lawsuit. So there's a section in the opinion that addresses the exact explanation of this, talking about how other trademarks were addressed by the Supreme Court. So our first and more substantial question concerns Jack Daniels' infringement claim. Should the company have had to satisfy the Rogers threshold? And there was the case where... Somebody produced and distributed a film titled Ginger and Fred. And they imitated Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. But obviously, if you watched the movie or heard about the movie, you wouldn't think, oh, Ginger and Fred endorsed that movie or they made the movie because they obviously didn't. It was an Italian film. 
starring uh, two fictional Italian cabaret dancers, uh, distributed by Federico Fellini. And so the court concluded a threshold filter was appropriate when a title with at least some artistic relevance was not explicitly misleading as the source or content, the claim could not go forward. So that would just stop the case right there. But the court made it clear that it was not announcing a general rule. In the typical case, the name of a product is more likely to indicate its source and be taken by consumers in just that way. So, you know, a movie is very, very different than just a thing or a product. Over the decades, lower courts have adopted Rogers and confined it to similar cases. So we had the Barbie girl example. We had the, oh, Lord, why won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz example. Uh, And then, for example, uh, the question like is when somebody puts up a poster that generically is about the history of college football, if there's a Crimson Tide trademarked shirt in that collage, does that violate the trademark of Alabama? And uh, court said, no, it doesn't. That's that's you know that's the kind of thing that can happen. So Louis Vuitton at one point sued because a character in the film The Hangover Part Two described his luggage as a Louis Vuitton, although said said Louis Vuitton, and the court dismissed the complaint because who is going to see a character mispronouncing a name and go? Gee, I think Louis Vuitton must have paid for product placement in this movie and, and anticipated and, and, and part, you know done you know been a part of this because its name was mentioned. The same courts though routinely conduct likelihood of confusion analysis without mentioning Rogers when trademarks are used as trademarks, which is to designate their their source or the manufacturer. The Second Circuit has made especially clear, though, that Rogers does not apply in that context. So somebody is misusing the mark and putting it on a product. That's very different than simply mentioning the mark in another context. No, the distinction is a fine one, but they make it. The court held that an offshoot political group's use of the trademarked phrase, United We Stand America, got no Rogers help because the use was as a source identifier. And that was a case called United We Stand America versus United We Stand America, uh, <laughs> which might be an indication that somebody's in trouble. Now, that slogan had expressive content, but the defendant group was using it as a trademark to suggest the same source identification as the original political movement. There's also a, a motorcycle mechanic who used Harley Davidson's Bar and Shield logo. Um, and said that he was doing it as a parody uh, of, of Harley-Davidson, apparently. The court acknowledged the mechanic's adapted logo conveyed a somewhat humorous message, but his use of the logo was a quintessential trademark use to brand his repair and parts business through signage, a newsletter, and T-shirts with images similar to Harley-Davidson. The court said, can't do that. So the point is, whatever you make of Rogers, it has always been a a narrowly construed doctrine. So we have put that case to the side. The Rogers test is applied only to cases involving non-trademark uses. Because again, in the movie Ginger and Fred, they weren't using a trademark on a product. They were simply using the name in a different context. 
The test has not insulated from ordinary trademark scrutiny the use of trademarks as trademarks to identify or brand goods or services. We offer as one last example of that limitation, a case with a striking resemblance to this one, which also involved dog products, and they were perfumes. <laughs> the defendant sold a line of pet perfumes whose names parody elegant brands sold for humans. And that was uh, Tommy Hilfiger versus Nature Labs. The product at issue is named Timmy Holdegger, and Tommy Hilfiger didn't uh, like that. The defendant asked for application of Rogers, and the court declined, relying on the Harley-Davidson case. Rogers, the court explained, kicks in when a suit involves solely non-trademark uses of a mark. That is where a trademark is not being used to indicate the source or origin of a product, but only to convey a different kind of message. When instead, the use is at least in part for source identification, when the defendant may be trading on the goodwill of the trademark owner to market its own goods, Rogers has no proper role. And that is so, the court continued, even if the defendant is also making an expressive comment, including parody. So the defendant is still making trademark use of another's mark and must meet an infringement claim on the usual battleground of likelihood of confusion. So this is going to go back down. The parties don't settle. And the court is going to then try to resolve the issue about this improper use of a trademark on a product And so there's no question that if you look at this product, you know exactly what product it's supposed to look like. And in fact, you could look at it this way and answer the same question. What is this? And most people go, oh, it's Jack Daniels bottle. Well, no, actually, it's a bad Spaniels squeaky toy. And I will point out one other thing. Somebody sent this to me, by the way. Thank you very much. (laughs) A little while ago. But I hadn't put it on camera yet because I thought, well, maybe that case will resolve. And I was right. It came wrapped with a piece of paper over this, which leads me to believe that in anticipation or perhaps because of the litigation, they were covering it so that they could somehow mitigate what's happening to them right now. But there was also a hang tag on it. And the hang tag, I don't normally read these things before I throw them away, but I read this and I Saved it because it says, Silly Squeakers Parody Dog Toys. Legal survey questions and answers. Some companies don't find our toys as funny as we do. And they like to do surveys to try and silence the humor. And somewhere in the Supreme Court opinion, I read that Jack Daniels conducted surveys and discovered when they asked people, you know, when you see this, do you think of Jack Daniels? And apparently, in response to that, they put these hang tags on the toy and are addressing that issue. It says, if you are doing a legal survey right now and you're reading this, don't worry. Here are the correct answers to the poorly worded questions designed to trick you into answering incorrectly. What company makes or puts out this product? Correct answer. VIP products. What other products does VIP products make? Correct answer, dog toys. Is this product put out with the authorization of another company? Correct answer, no, because this product is a parody and this funny bottle idea belongs to VIP products. And it's got some more questions and answers like that. Number one, I'll point out this did not age very well. (laughs) 
As of about yesterday afternoon, this started looking silly. But number two, do they really think that Jack Daniels is surveying every single person in North America, and as a result, they're bound to hit the people who bought this thing? Or are they suggesting someone that Jack Daniels knows who bought these things and is calling them up? Um, Because this is the kind of thing where you look at it and go, okay, so you put a product out, and you are so anticipating litigation that you put that on there? I don't know about that. But getting back to a point I made much, much earlier, I said the interesting thing here is that the maker of this sued Jack Daniels, not the other way around. And one thing I would point out uh, is that sometimes people will threaten you with litigation, but not sue you. Uh, It's really easy to make threats. Filing a lawsuit's a different matter altogether. And so when someone calls me in a panic and says, someone just threatened to sue me, I said, okay. And they go, what should we do? And I go, well, what do you think we should do? Threaten to file an answer? I mean, mean, they're just words coming out of somebody's mouth or words written on paper. They said they got a letter from Jack Daniels. They got a letter. Okay. If you want to, you can respond to the letter. But if someone threatens to sue you, until they sue you, they're not suing you. And I know that seems very obvious, but the number of people who've called me in a panic, someone threatened to sue me. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Don't worry about it unless they actually do sue you. Then you respond. Because number one, they might not sue you. But number two, in the field of trademarks and copyrights and intellectual property, one of the interesting things is, is that the longer you take to enforce your claim can sometimes come back to haunt you. And by that, I mean that there are situations where a court could ask and say, okay, you're upset with the makers of this product, right? Yes. When did you first become aware of this product? A couple years ago. When did you file the lawsuit? Yesterday. Okay, so does that mean that you really weren't that upset by this? Or or you guys are slow to litigate claims? I mean, what? But also, and this is important, Also, if you sit on your rights and never actually act on them, there are situations, and I'm purposely speaking broadly here, because I'm not addressing this exact situation, I'm just simply speaking broadly. There are examples where if somebody waits too long, it can hurt their case badly. Number one, there could be a statute of limitations problem, not here, but I'm talking about in general. But but also, if someone's going to make the argument that, oh my gosh, this thing is going to destroy our business, Well, if that was true, wouldn't you have filed suit the second you found out about it? You know, and so I'm just pointing out that if someone threatens to sue you, you should actually look on the bright side and go, well, at least they didn't sue me. (laughs) So when people come to my office and they say, Steve, I'm really upset. I want to sue somebody. But will you write them a letter first and threaten to sue them? I go, why? Do you have a valid case right now? Yes. Let's file the lawsuit. Let's sue them. People go, well, aren't we supposed to send them a letter first? There are some situations where you're required to send a notice, like last chance letter and a lemon law claim. But general case, no, no. If you've got a valid claim, file the lawsuit. And if you get a letter threatening you the lawsuit, uh uh-huh, it's not a lawsuit. Eh. I mean, you can look at it, you can read it, you can show it to a lawyer, but don't start panicking just yet. And so that's the story of the Supreme Court case. It's a unanimous decision. And um, that's interesting.
But also, I'd like to point out that it was from uh, many, many people. NPR published this version. Nina Totenberg wrote it. Supreme Court sides with Jack Daniels in trademark dispute with dog toy maker, the Bad Spaniel. The old number two. And by the way, I got to put in a program note. Yesterday, the hundo fell. I didn't catch it till I was editing the video. As I walked around, it fell. It was on top of that microphone, and it fell. You could still see it by looking through there behind the car. I glanced through the comments. I don't know if anybody saw it or not. I apologize. Normally, I put it someplace visible and make sure it's there. I just didn't catch that in time. So there you go. Questions or comments, put them below. Otherwise, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Red meat is not bad for you. Now, blue-green meat, that's bad for you.